Hi, I'm Sue Elvis from the blog Stories of an Unschooling Family. Welcome to my podcast. This is episode 52, and today I've got a number of things that I want to talk about. I want to talk about the seasons of the unschooling year as we're winding down towards Christmas. I've also been thinking about real-life Christmas maths. I googled those words and I'm going to tell you what I found. Also, ideas, how we can encourage our children's ideas. And then there's lifelong learning. Is education just for children? And if we've got time, I'd like to talk a little bit about the different stages of our lives. Moving on. Today is a very special day in our family. It's my daughter Imogen's 21st birthday. She's reached a new milestone. 21. That sounds awfully old, which must mean that I'm awfully old as well. Most times I don't really mind how old I am, but sometimes I look back to when I was a lot younger and I looked at people who were a lot older than me and I felt that I couldn't relate to them. Yeah, they were in a different stage of life to me. And so I wonder sometimes whether readers of my blog, listeners of my podcast, feel I'm a little bit out of touch with them because I'm a lot so much older. But as I said, most times I'm too busy to worry about how old I am. I'm having a wonderful unschooling life. So what am I doing recording a podcast on Imogen's 21st birthday? Shouldn't we be doing something a whole lot more exciting? Well, in New South Wales, Australia, where I am today, south of Sydney, it's a really hot day. I think it's going to nudge 40 degrees Celsius today. There's a severe warning for bushfires, and we don't want to go out today. We usually go out on a picnic on birthdays. That's the way we like to celebrate. But today the girls said, no, Mum, it's much too hot. So we're going out on a picnic tonight. When my husband Andy gets home from school this afternoon, we're going to go into town to the lake with a picnic and have a celebration in the cool of the evening. Now you might not think that's a very big celebration for a 21st birthday. Why aren't we having a huge party? For a start, a few weeks ago we had an away from home holiday. We took the girls away to the Blue Mountains and that cost us quite a bit of money and We talked about it at the time. Do we want to have a holiday or would the girls prefer to have parties for their 18th and 21st birthdays? Because Charlotte turned 18 last month. Big milestones in our family. And the girls both said, oh, look, we prefer to go on a holiday, Mum. We're not party people. And we're not. We're a family of introverts. And organising a huge party and actually having to attend that party will stress us out, that we just, that's just not something we want to do. So we're going to go down the park and have a lovely time, just the family, this evening. But before that, I've got to record my podcast. The girls are all busy. They're all listening to music, playing games, doing birthday stuff, using Imogen's presents that she got today. So they're quite happy, and I said I'd just sneak off, record my podcast, and then we're going to have a special lunch together. And I'll do something with the girls this afternoon inside, away from the sun.
So in my introduction, I mentioned the seasons of the unschooling year. I've heard unschoolers say that every day to them is exactly the same, but our days don't go like that. Our days change according to the season of the year, and not just the weather, but also what's happening around us. Whether my husband Andy is home from school, whether he's on holiday, spending time with us, whether we've got music exams coming along, birthdays, special. Red letter days in the calendar. All these affect what we do, and of course, Christmas is the same. And this month, the month of November, my girls have been writing novels. National Novel Writing Month. Now they've all finished. They've all reached their fifty thousand、uh, word goals, and some of them are continuing on. So they're still spending November writing. So this has been the highlight of their month. And a lot of other things have gone by the way while they've been writing. Christmas is coming up, and we're thinking about making gifts, doing the shopping, that type of thing. So it isn't a very good time of year to start some new strewing. I've been looking for things that might interest my girls, but they're not looking out for new things to do. They're already very well occupied. They're happy doing what they're doing at the moment. So I'm going to save all my. Strewing ideas until Christmas has passed, because I know one day they'll once again be thinking, "Well, what can we do today, Mum? Have you got any ideas?" And I'm going to have all those ideas in reserve. But no, we don't need them at the moment. My record book is looking a little bit uneven, as usual, when the girls are focused on only one or two things. And for example, there's not an awful lot of math there again. I've spoken about this before, and I don't really worry about it because it all evens out over the course of the year. But it did make me think about maths. Are my girls doing any maths at the moment? I told you I was looking out for real-life maths experiences, ones that I might miss, and I did find some. As they've been doing NaNoWriMo, writing their novels, they sign into their NaNoWriMo accounts. And there's lots of stats there. Their word counts are recorded there. It tells them how many words to go till they reach fifty thousand words. What their average word count has to be per day if they want to reach their goal by the end of the month. And their words are graphed the days of the month against how many words they're writing, so they can see visually how they're going. Is the line going up steeply or is it plateaued off? A lot of maths there, so I've asked the girls to take screenshots of their stats for this month, and I'm going to put those in my Evernote notebook as evidence that they've been doing some maths this month. I'm always really curious about maths. I ask questions. I say, "Is there any maths associated with this or that?" And then I go googling and have a look. So I googled Christmas maths. I was sent to a number of Pinterest boards, and I discovered that Christmas maths to most people means worksheets that have Christmas decorations on them. Maybe pictures for kids to colour in as they're working through the worksheet. Not very exciting at all, and not what I was looking for. But anyway, I had another think about this. And I did come up with some ideas. Like we'll be cooking a turkey on Christmas Day, and of course we'll have to decide how big a turkey 
our family needs. How many people are coming to Christmas dinner? So what size are we going to need? And how long is it going to take for that turkey to cook? There's usually a figure on the packaging to say how many minutes per kilo. So that's one area that we'll be using maths at Christmas. We'll probably watch a number of movies over Christmas. And maybe we can go and have a look at the latest movies and compare their ratings. There's that uh, tomato rating. I'm not sure exactly what it's called, but all the movies are rated by a percentage. That's also maths. I wonder what the biggest grossing movies were of this year. That might be interesting to go and find out about. Of course, the girls will be using maths as they make their Christmas gifts, depending on what they're making, measuring out ingredients to make salt dough, maybe. Sewing always involves a lot of maths, things like that. I wonder if we'll have an advent calendar this year. That's another area of maths. What day of the week will Christmas Day fall upon? Where will all the other feast days be on the calendar? I could strew a few questions before them. I wonder how many Christians are actually in Australia and how many Christians will actually be actively celebrating Christmas in a religious way. And how does that compare with the world population? How much money will people spend over the Christmas season? What will that figure be for Australia? What will it be for other countries around the world? What hours will the shops be open? Lots of different questions that we could ponder. I don't know if my girls will be interested in any of the answers, but some of the questions interest me. And if they're not interested, I'll go and do a bit of searching, and I'm sure that I could sit around the dinner table in the evening, and I could say things like, Hey girls, did you know that Australians are going to spend blah 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 amount of money on Christmas presents this year? And we could get a conversation going. Usually when we're sitting around the table, everybody takes an interest in everybody else's topics. And I'm sure we could have a great conversation about the stats of Christmas. I'm also sure I could find some interesting newspaper articles with all these figures in them as well. They're very current topics. I want to talk about Sophie and her ideas now. Leave maths behind. Quite often Sophie and I get an opportunity to talk when we take our dog for a walk. Usually in the afternoon we get our dog and we head on down to the bush tracks and as we walk along exercising the dog we have a great conversation. It's a good time to share ideas with each other. And Sophie, who is 14, is full of ideas. She is such an enthusiastic person. She always has something that she wants to share with me. So I've been thinking about children and their ideas. Should we encourage them to follow their ideas? Or do we know better as parents? Because sometimes we might feel some of their ideas are pretty silly. We don't think they're practical. They won't come to anything. Should we tell them? Should we let them find out for themselves? Now, Sophie has had three big ideas this year. The first one was designing paper dolls. That's what she wanted to do, to earn some money. I said she could design some paper dolls, maybe, for my book, The Angels of Abbey Creek. It didn't take her very long to discover 
that she doesn't have the drawing skills necessary for designing paper dolls. She asked for Charlotte's help, and Charlotte is an artist, and Charlotte took over the project and finished it off all by herself. And that turned out to be a good idea for Charlotte, but Sophie realised, no, that one didn't work out for her. But I didn't tell her at the time. I thought she ought to have the opportunity to go off and try something that she was interested in. The second big idea was having a blog design shop. A lot of her friends online have blog design shops, and she could see they were selling things and earning a bit of money. And she said to me, do you think I could have a shop, Mum? And I said, of course you can. So she went off and did the necessary research, looking for resources to put together blog designs of her own. And this was a topic of conversation for quite a number of weeks as she did all the necessary research. And then one day she let go of that idea. She came to the realisation that it's not actually putting together backgrounds and fonts and things that she's interested in as far as blog design goes. She's more interested in coding, fixing up coding problems. So she doesn't really want a blog design shop. But she learned a lot along the way while she investigated that topic. Now she has a third idea, and this one's fairly recent, and it's to do with her photography. She wants to offer her services to photograph people's children, maybe go to parties and take photos of all of the children and the cake and the toys and the balloons, that type of thing. And she said to me a week or so ago, do you think I could go next door, Mum, and ask if I could photograph the boys next door, who are about seven, I don't know, five, maybe three? Do you think our neighbour would let me photograph her boys, and then I could give her the photos, and it wouldn't cost her anything? I just want the experience. So I said, oh yeah, that sounds like a great idea. Why don't you put up a portfolio together of your photos, and then you can show the neighbour and explain what you would like to do. And so she has done that, and I think Sophie's photography is really coming on in leaps and bounds, and it is so much better than the average parent's photos, I can't see that her offer will be refused. And then if she does a good job, the neighbour might spread the word, and maybe some of her friends would like Sophie to take photos of their children as well, and they might even pay for it. So I think this is an idea that has potential, and Sophie does have the skills. So I always listen to Sophie's ideas. I always encourage her to give something a go, to think it through. I ask her, well, what do you think you'll need to do this? What research will you need to do? Do you have the skills? Perhaps you ought to go out and try it. Because I think that we can put our children off all too easily. We can squash their ideas before our children have had a chance to examine the idea properly. If the idea does come to something, well, that's wonderful. But if it doesn't, they've still learned a lot by investigating it. They've learned a lot about themselves as well. I've read a lot of articles where people say that we shouldn't tell children that they can do anything they want. That's unrealistic, because children can't do anything they want. None of my children are going to be world-class tennis players. They're not going to go to the Olympics. Sophie has already discovered she's not going to be a great artist. I don't really think it's necessary for a parent to point out that a child just does not have the skills to do what they would like to do. They'll find it out for themselves. How many children start off in life wanting to be an astronaut or a fireman? And how many children really want to do that later on? 
It's good to dream, I think. I've read other articles where people say the kids can't do whatever they want because that might not be what God wants them to do. And I totally agree with this. We have to do what God wills for us. But that doesn't mean we can't follow our dreams, we can't use our talents, because maybe those talents have been given to us for a particular reason, and we're meant to use them. And we have to have courage. We can't hold back and say, well, I'm not going to try because I'm too scared to, or I think this might be a silly idea. I think we've got to go out there, use our talents, and we might do something spectacular, something amazing. Sometimes I have great ideas. Well, I think they're great ideas for a while. And then as I mull them over, I think, oh, well, perhaps that's not such a great idea after all. Perhaps people will think that's a silly idea. And so I hold back and I don't put the idea into action. I don't go any further with it. And I wonder whether I think it's a silly idea because I can hear in my head an echo of someone putting down my ideas going through the school system. We're not always encouraged to follow our dreams, our ideas. Maybe someone along the way has said, you've got to be sensible, you've got to earn money, you've got to be practical here. This is a much better idea. That's a silly one. But what if I refuse to listen to that voice in my head? What if I tried anyway? What if I didn't worry about what other people thought of my idea? Again, same with our children. Something wonderful could happen. And if it doesn't, if I fail, it doesn't really matter because we all learn, as I said, from everything we do. And maybe I'll come up with a better idea that leads from the first one, modify it slightly. So I have had a couple of ideas lately. I told you about one of them last week, my grief podcast idea. And I'm still very excited about that idea. I really want to do that one. And I've had encouragement from other people. Nobody has said it's a silly idea, so that's good. The only problem I'm having with this idea is coming up with a name for the podcast. I think it's a bit like naming a baby. You come up with a list of possible names, and then you tell somebody about them, and everybody then comes back with their own opinion. Oh, no, I don't like that one. And are you sure about that one? And no, such and such as child is called that, and he's really wild. And did you know that that actor has that name as well? Before you know it, you don't like any of the names on your list, or you still might like them. But then you begin to wonder whether you should actually give your child that name because of what other people might think. It didn't take me very long having eight children to realize that what's the best thing to do is to have a list of names and not to tell anybody about them until the child is actually born and you have named him or her. Because by that time it's too late. Everybody then says, oh, that's a wonderful name or it suits the baby. Nobody would be rude enough to say, I don't like that name. So maybe it's the same with adventures like podcasts and blogs. Perhaps I should just go with the name I think and it doesn't really matter what anybody else thinks. But at the same time, I can't come up with a good name, so I am open to suggestions if anyone has one. My second idea is to do with my creative writing. I'm not doing enough creative writing. I know that. My novels aren't getting edited. They're not getting published. That might not be a big problem because 
are they important in the whole scheme of things? Well, they're important to my goddaughter because she wants me to get on and write my third angel's book. And also she wants to see the second one in print. So just for her, it would be very important. And for me as well, I think, to feel that I have fulfilled that goal. But while I'm blogging, I'm not writing my novels. But I had this idea that maybe I should start a creative writing blog where I share excerpts of my novels, other things to do with my novels. I think they would be described as living books, if you know of Charlotte Mason. And we did have a Charlotte Mason period at one time, so I'm quite familiar with her philosophy of education. I think there's a lot in my books that children could learn about all the Australian animals and flowers, customs, even recipes and other things. Lots of things to do with the liturgical year. Things that might be a starting point for further investigation and other learning adventures. I could post all this on a blog, so I could be blogging and writing creatively all at the same time. Another blog. I have created so many blogs, and at one time I thought, look, let's just have one blog and I put everything on it and just contribute to one blog. Keep one blog up. Have one successful blog. But I have decided after quite a few years now blogging that doesn't work very well that way. People want to come to an unschooling blog to read unschooling stuff. They might not necessarily want to read my grief stories, for example. So even though it's very inconvenient and I have a lot of blogs to keep up, I think that putting all my writing stuff on a separate blog of its own will work a whole lot better than mingling it in with this unschooling blog or my grief blog or my Catholic blog. Yeah, it's an idea I'm thinking about. I want to talk about Facebook very, very briefly. I have gained quite a few new Facebook friends on the last week or so, and it's been wonderful. People have stopped by and requested my friendship, and I'm getting to know some new people, mostly people who are interested in unschooling. And because of my new friends, I've had some interesting discussions on Facebook. And one of my new friends stopped by to say something about how she is exciting about learning herself since she has begun unschooling. And isn't that wonderful? And I think back to that time when I suddenly realized that learning is something that everybody does all through their lives. Education isn't something just for kids. And this is what can cause battles most of the time between parents and children. You're the child. You have to do your schoolwork. I'm the adult. I've already completed my education. Which is really rather sad to think that we have learned all we need to know during the 12 or 13 years of school. And looking back, what I learned during those 13 years of school, most of it was useless anyway. If we stop to think about it carefully, it doesn't take us long to realize that we are all life learners. Learning is a very natural thing to do. So when I stopped spending my time trying to supervise my children's education, trying to make them learn what I thought was most important, all of a sudden I was free to learn myself. My kids were self-motivated to learn so I didn't have to push them along. I would help them, of course, get involved with their learning, 
but it was also valuable, while it still is valuable, for them to get involved in my learning. I'm not being selfish when I spend time with my own projects. I'm being a good example of learning. And, as I said, I share what I learn with my children. So we're a family learning together. Some of the interests that I have also have sparked off interests in my children, like writing. They've watched me write. They have been inspired to write themselves. They haven't thought, I can't write a novel. They have great confidence and they dream big. Yes, I can write a novel. I could publish a novel just like mum. My children got into blogging because I was a blogger. I started taking photos and now Sophie, she's the photographer of the family. She knows much more about photography now than I do, even though I got my camera first. She just watched me, picked up on the interest and then ran with it. When I was on Pinterest a week or so ago, in my feed there was an article about getting kids to do their schoolwork. Now, Pinterest is really funny. Ever since I've started a board called Unschooling, I, they've been sending me all these suggested posts in my feed, many times to do with homeschooling rather than unschooling, or even schooling as in teachers at school. I don't think Pinterest knows the difference. That word school in there, they, they've been bombarding me with everything. Anyway, I was interested in this particular article. I'm not sure exactly of the title, but it was to do with how to get kids to do their homeschooling. I was interested in what she was going to say because I've written my own post on that subject. Would her post be like my post? Well, it wasn't, not in the slightest. I think it would be interesting if I could find that post again and link it up. Uh, it sort of disappeared through my feed because I didn't pin it. But if I can find it, I might put a link in. I can't remember all the points that she made. But ultimately, I got the idea that she thought it was a parent's duty to push a child to learn what the parent thought the child needed to learn for their future life. That's a parent's duty whether they like it or not. That's what it comes down to. And later on, children will turn around and thank their parent for pushing them to learn all those necessary things. And she said that this had actually happened, that children had come back to her and said, thank you, mum, for making me do this maths or whatever when I didn't want to do it because I need this for my future. If I hadn't done it, I wouldn't be able to do the course that I want to do at uni or whatever. I've also heard this story from parents who push their children to, say, play the piano, practice every day when the child doesn't want to. They're going to thank me in the end for it. And the child turns around and says, Thank you, Mom, for pushing me to practice the piano every day. It must have been frustrating for you, but now I can play the piano, and I'm really thankful for that. And it sounds all very reasonable, and I've been thinking, what's wrong with the argument? Well, I guess if it suits those families, there's nothing wrong with the argument. But for myself, I would rather my children turned around and said, Thank you, Mum, for trusting me. Thank you for letting us explore our interests. Thank you for trusting that we would learn all we need to know when we need needed to know it. Because now I'm off to uni. I know what I want to do because I've explored my interests. Yes, I didn't have this particular subject to get in, but I'm learning it now because I need it and I'm motivated. Something like that. Maybe, as I said, 
our children will thank us for trusting them, for letting them be unschooled. But back to being lifelong learners. Yes, it is very exciting. Get diving in and learning with our children, exploring things of our own. Since we've been unschooling, I have explored so many ideas and learned so much, gone down different pathways. It is an exciting life. Besides my writing and my blogging, which I've already spoken about, and photography, I've investigated video making, got my YouTube channel, of course I'm podcasting. I'm connecting with other people in the world. I'm sharing my experiences and they're sharing theirs with me. And I hope that I'm making a little bit of difference in the blogging world, adding to the conversation. I find this is a very worthwhile thing to do. Of course, not everybody wants to be a blogger or a writer, do things like I'm doing it, but everybody, I think, needs to be doing something, using their talents, exploring them, even if they have passed the official age for the end of our education. So I'm wondering, what's your thing? What are you interested in? What have you discovered about yourself and your talents since you've been unschooling? What are you sharing with your children? What inspires you? When I meet new people, that's one of the things I want to find out about them. What is their thing, the thing that really sparks them off, the thing that they captures their imaginations, that makes them feel excited? If you want to share your thing, you could always come to my blog and leave me a comment. Unschooling has done wonderful things for my children. And as you can tell from what I've been talking about today, it has done wonderful things for me as well. There used to be a time when my life revolved around nothing but babies. Babies and toddlers and little people. And then we started homeschooling, and it was homeschooling babies and toddlers. And it was a very wonderful time of life, but children grow up. There came a time in my life when I began to wonder, what would my life be like after babies? when we no longer had babies and toddlers in the family. Of course, I was still very, very busy with homeschooling. But what happens when homeschooling comes to an end? Of course, we're talking about unschooling and lifelong learning, and that never comes to an end. But I won't always have my children at home with me, and I won't be sharing their learning experiences. They'll be going off into the bigger world and learning on their own, flying away to do amazing things, I hope. What will happen then? I've thought about this, and that day is not that far off. Gemma Rose is 11. It's a few more years, but the years pass very, very quickly. That day when I'm going to have to move on to the next stage of my life is almost upon us. I guess I will no longer be blogging about unschooling. My blog has a limited life, because I'll have nothing more to say about it. My children will no longer be here at home with me. I guess I might be blogging about unschooling grandchildren, but I can't really guarantee that one. So what's ahead of me? Should I worry about it? Should I be dreading the day when I'm going to have to move on to a new stage of my life? Well, I think the answer is no. I used to worry about what life would be like after babies, and it has turned out to be absolutely wonderful. All these opportunities that I never foresaw 
people that I've been connected in with, talents that I've been able to use, exciting things that I have learnt. I'm still contributing, even though I'm not having children anymore. So I think in the same way, when I no longer unschooling, while unschooling my children, new opportunities will arrive. I don't know what I'm going to be involved with, but I know that it will still be very exciting. I think sometimes we have to let go of the old stage and be happy to move on to the new stage, to do it eagerly. What opportunities will God present to us in the new stage? It's no good looking back, yearning to do what we used to do. Who knows what's ahead of us? So as I said at the very beginning of this podcast, my daughter Imogen is 21 today, and I must be getting old. But that's really not a problem, I don't think, because life gets better and better as my children get older, and it still remains very interesting and very exciting. So I'm going to finish this podcast in a moment and go out there and enjoy my 21-year-old daughter just the way she is. I just love watching our children grow, grow up and develop. Yeah, they're not little babies anymore, not even cute toddlers, but they get better and better as they grow, and there's no reason to yearn for them as little people anymore. Before I finish my podcast today, I would just like to say that you can subscribe to my podcast through iTunes, you can follow it through Podbean, or you can just follow my blog. I embed the podcasts there every week. So please feel welcome to visit my blog, Stories of an Unschooling Family. I'd like to thank you for listening to this week's episode, and I hope to be back next week with another one. Until then, trust, respect, and love unconditionally. Mm-hmm.